Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. My name is Jeff, and I'm pastor at uh, Calvary Church in Cambridge. My wife and I have been there for 18 years. We have not been there for 18 years. We've been married for 18 years. Been there for three years, and uh, really, really loving uh, our life and loving what God is doing. We have uh, two of our own biological children who are 13 years old, my son and 10, and I am still undefeated at Pokemon with them. They cannot beat me at Pokemon. I'm a good dad. I'm a geek dad. Uh, We have a third child, and uh, he's uh, two years old. He's a foster baby. We've had him uh, since birth, and his name is Little Luca, or we call him Bubby. And uh, our little foster child has had seven brain surgeries in the two years that he's been with us, and a whole host of uh, conditions. But... uh, God is good, and we're excited to to love him and serve him and and be part of his life as well. And uh, what else can I say to introduce us? Uh, Really not much. I guess I'm just excited to be here, and uh, I feel like i got to kind of wind myself up. I just felt my spirit quiet down, really, in worship, and it's it's really cool to, to have not even seen you guys. Uh, for it's been a while, and it's been even longer since uh, you know your wife has led in worship, and just to enter right in in such a deep place. Uh, I just want you guys to know you're really blessed to have Chad and Melissa here. So I'm not saying that because that's protocol or the political thing to do. I just I say it because I believe it with all my heart. Um, with this being an encounter night, I, I, I understand the dynamics of why we're all here. So I want to take a few minutes. And I want to talk to you uh, about hearing the voice of God. I want to talk to you about what it means to do that. I want to talk to you about why it's hard to do that. And uh, it's my hope that through some instruction and some inspiration tonight, that God will stir the pot, that God will stir your heart, and that God will do something inside of each and every one of you. I'm going to just open, because I always like to open with the reading of God's word, and then uh, we'll get into uh, some stuff and and begin to share. I'm going to move this into the middle here. I feel lopsided, right? (laughs) Okay, there we go. So if you have a Bible, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3, or if you have a cell phone, a tablet, an electronic device, a Kindle, whatever, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look into the beginning moments of the life of the boy Samuel, who became the most prolific prophet in the history of Israel. And uh, he anointed some of their best kings and was part of some of their biggest moments. And I want to track it all back to the very beginning as a young boy who had no idea about the voice of God. Let me read this to you and uh, we'll go ahead and, and get started and hopefully God will make sense of some of this. So listen, I like preaching to happy people. So turn to somebody and say something to make them feel really good, all right? Tell a lady she's beautiful, a man he's handsome, strong, muscular, nice hair, cool shirt. Tell them they smell nice. Offer them a breath mint if they don't. 
Chad's like, here, is it brethren? <laughs> I'm just having fun. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. And God's going to speak. Uh, it says this. The boy Samuel. Everybody say Samuel. He ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was an old man and he was a longtime serving priest. And if you, have a, if you have a paper Bible, I want you to underline this next statement. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. I'm going to say it again. You can underline that or if you got a, a U version, highlight it. In those days, the word of the Lord, everybody say it together, was, was rare. And there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, uh, just let me help you out. The ark of God represented God's presence. Okay, this was central. This is where God was in those days. Now the veil of the temple has been torn open, and God is everywhere. He's in our hearts, and he's in our lives, he's in our church, he's in our homes, he's in our cars, and all that. But in these days, God was wherever the ark of the covenant was, that's where God was. And so, the lamp hadn't gone out. Samuel's there. He's right by the ark of God. He's right beside the presence. And the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, No, I didn't call. Son, go back to bed. <laughs> and so he went and he laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, and he went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call. Go back to bed. Now Samuel, here it is, did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, everybody say three times. Good stuff. The Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And it was then that Eli realized the Lord God was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you again, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said what Eli told him to. Let's say it together. Speak, for your servant is listening. So this story reminds me of something that I encounter just about every single night with my children. When my kids were young, they went to bed at 7.30, and they, they, when they went to bed, they just went to bed. They're tired, they're crying, you put them in their sleeper, you put them in whatever it is that they wear, and you take them in, you sing a song, you pray a prayer, you turn out the lights, they cry for five minutes, and it's all over until the next day. But then my kids got older and they got a mind for themselves. They got smarter. And now, this is what bedtime looks like for us every night, okay? And, and we're still a fairly, you know, young-ish couple, um, you know, and so when our kids go to bed, we kind of, you know, we, we look forward to time together. And, but now we don't get time together because our kids don't go to bed at 7.30. Uh, bedtime starts at 8 o'clock and ends usually around 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. Because this is bedtime. 
We get them upstairs at 8 o'clock. They brush their teeth. They get in their pajamas. We pray together. We read the story together. We talk. We tuck them in. And we walk out. And then usually about every 10 or 15 minutes, they wander out of the room with something to say. Dad, there's a monster under my bed. No, there's not. There wasn't last night, there wasn't last week, there wasn't last, there's never going to be a monster under your bed. 15 minutes later, Dad, I'm thirsty, can I get a drink? Yes, you can get a drink. Dad, I forgot something downstairs, can I get, yes, you can come down and get it downstairs. Dad, I want to call Grandma and say goodnight. No, you cannot call Grandma and say goodnight. And this goes, uh, do you guys, anyone else, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, parents, anybody, anybody bear witness with me? And we are so exasperated by the end of the night because we want to hang out as a husband and wife. We want to talk about our day. We want to watch a TV show. We want to read. We want to do something. And every doggone 10 or 15 minutes, our kids are wandering back down being like, hey, we got something to say, something to do, something we want. And we're like Eli. We're like, would you just go to bed and stay in bed? I mean, I'm thinking about buying chains for their door and just like locking them in, being like, that's it, nine o'clock, you are not coming out until the morning. I wonder if Eli was feeling a little bit this way, as the Lord is calling Samuel. You know, three times you've got God calling Samuel, and Samuel, because he didn't yet know the voice of the Lord, and piled on top of that, because the voice of the Lord was rare, He's going to Eli's like, you know, like our kids. Hey, you know, you called, you called. And Eli's got to be like, boy, would you just go to bed and stay there? I'm tired of your game. So I guess it doesn't matter what generation, what century, what millennium it is. Kids know how to just bother the old ones and figure out how to extend into nighttime as much as possible. But that's not what I came to talk to you about. I came to talk to you tonight about hearing the voice of God. And what's really the big idea tonight? What, really, what am I hoping to accomplish? It's this. I want each and every one of us to understand that the voice of God is always speaking. God does not stop talking to us. I don't think God ever stops talking to his sons and to his daughters and to his people. I think if there's ever a moment that I'm not hearing the voice of God, it has a lot more to do with my listening than it does with his speaking. Anybody with me? Amen? I believe that the voice of God is one of the most valuable and beneficial things that we could have in our lives. The God of all of creation communicating his heart to us, his love for us, his plan around us. God is always speaking and I think there's a greater call for us to be listening. Did you know that there are approximately 3,800 instances in the Bible where God said something? Almost 4,000 moments recorded in Scripture, something along the lines of God said, or thus saith the Lord. God is speaking, God is communicating, He has something to deliver to His people. He is a God who clothes his thoughts with words, with language, and issues those words and that language to us that we would catch that heart and catch his plan and his passion for us. I said it earlier, and he's the, he's the God who created this world, not with his hands or a holy hammer. What did he create this world with? A spoken word. 
You see, all throughout the Bible, he comes in a thunderous voice. He comes in a quiet whisper. The Bible is full of moments of God speaking to his people. You look at Moses, and I love how it describes God's relationship with Moses, or we could say Moses' relationship with God. It says that God spoke to him as a friend speaks to his friend. That's intimacy, that's details, that's connectivity. That's not a telegraph or an email or a text message. It says, as a man speaks to his friend face to face. Because stuff gets miscommunicated in emails and text messages, right? So oftentimes, if you've got something good to say, something serious to say, like, i got to say this in person, because the text message just isn't going to do. But it's not just Moses. He spoke to Abraham about a giant promise for his future. He spoke to Joseph in his dreams about his plan for his life. He spoke to Jacob at Bethel. He spoke to the prophets of old, and he spoke through the prophets of old. And when you read, when I tell you what, when I read all these stories, let me be honest with you, it feels a little out of reach. It feels a little out of reach for me. Well, God, I know you spoke to Moses like a friend speaks to his friend, and I know you spoke to Abraham in such powerful ways, and, and Jacob, and, and, and Samuel, and the prophets and of old, and all these things, but God, I'm just Jeff. I'm not Samuel, not David. Not Moses and not Abraham, I'm not Joseph, I'm not Ezekiel, I'm not Dan, I'm not any of these guys, God, I'm just Jeff. But I've been learning that God wants to speak to me too. Listening to God, I think it's something that everybody wants, but not everybody has. I think everybody wants to be hearing the voice of God, but not everybody is hearing the voice of God. And the problem is that can demoralize us, can discourage us, can cause us to stop trying, to stop seeking, to stop listening. So my heart tonight is that I, by the grace of God and with this help, I'd inspire you to want to hear a little more of his voice. So turn to somebody and say, you got to hear God's voice. Go ahead, tell them. You got to hear God's voice. I think as we grow up in God, we should be hearing him more and not less. Anybody with me on that? Say amen. amen. It's interesting. Uh, allow me to take you through a little two-minute biology class about our bodies. When you become a late-year teenager or early years young adult, most of your body stops growing. Your bones stop growing. Uh, your muscles stop growing unless you're working out. They might grow a little more. Um, your blessed assurance, well, that kind of keeps growing, I guess, as you get older. But, <laughs> but for the most part, most of your body stops growing except for a couple key areas. Number one, your nose, and number two, your ears. Yes, your ears stop growing. I remember my grandfather, he had great big Dumbo ears. And I'm like, Dad, why is Grandpa's ears so big? <clears throat> My dad said, well, because your ears, they, they never stop growing. And then I said, well, how come grandpa's ears are so big and he's so hard of hearing? <laughs> you go over like, grandpa, what's going on? Huh? Hey, grandpa, it's Jeff. Who's there? I'm like, grandpa, your ears are so big. Why is it so hard for you to hear? 
I often find that spiritually speaking, the same can be said for some believers in the church and the kingdom. Long in the tooth with great big spiritual ears and yet oftentimes the older we grow in the Lord, we get we can get a little crusty, we can get a little crunchy, we can let a, get a little belligerent toward God and say, I'm just done. I've, I've heard every sermon I could hear. I've heard every story I could hear. I've heard every, I've heard every prayer. I've heard every song. There ain't nothing new. I'm just done hearing. And, and we can turn our ears off. But I wonder if God has woven into the DNA of our bodies, when everything else stops growing, that our ears, they just keep getting a little bigger, as if to say, as you get older in the Lord, I want you to hear me more and not less. Amen? So, I just need a little engagement activity. Turn to somebody and say, my what big ears you need. <laughs> my what big ears you need. <laughs> right? I can't keep a straight face in that one either. That's right. We need bigger ears to hear the voice of God. When you talk to any counselor or anybody who works in relationships, and if they're working a couple through reconciliation and trying to lead them on a path of restoration, uh, they'll often tell you that one of the biggest breakdowns in relationships is broken communication. Somewhere along the line, communication is broken. Either A, somebody stops talking and the relationship stops working. They shut down, they don't want to talk anymore, they've had enough. Or B, somebody just stops listening and again, the relationship stops working. There might be a husband or wife, doesn't matter which side of the line they're on, but they're trying to communicate their heart, they're trying to, you know, make things work, and they're trying to lead along restoration, a pathway of reconciliation, but if one of those two people in the relationship stops listening, the relationship stops working. The parallel is very obvious, the parallel is to our relationship with God. The relationship stops working when somebody stops talking or somebody stops listening. Now since God is always talking, there's no problem and no worry for us about him stop talking. But if we stop talking to him or we stop listening to him, the relationship, it stops working. It's not enough to just show up at church or be part of a religious environment. We need to be communicating to God and listening for his voice. We need the voice of God in our life like never before, friends. We need it. We don't just need sermons and songs and programs and prayers and church. We have a relationship. We have an opportunity, invitation to commune with God, to talk to him, to hear his voice. And I'll tell you what, I've never met somebody who was ever disappointed in hearing God's voice. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody say, man, I heard from God this week and I hated it. Quite the opposite is usually true, right? Somebody says, man... I heard from God this week and he blew me away. It was exactly what I needed. Friends, we need the voice of God. We need him to speak to our faith. 
to inspire it in times where it's lost. We need him to speak about our future and help direct us where we're going. We need him to speak about practical matters too, like our finances and how, you know, that's all right. God can have lordship over the practical areas of our life as well and lead us in these things. But if we're not hearing his voice, we're not getting inspired faith. If we're not hearing his voice, we have no idea about where he's leading us in our future. If we're not hearing his voice, we're missing out on so much. And here's the problem. If we're not hearing his voice, then we are left to our own thoughts, which are half the time not very good and untrue. We're left to our own desires, which will lead us away from God, not closer to him. And we're left to our own plans, which are usually ending up in a lot more broken places than God's plans are taking us. If we're not hearing his voice, I think it has a lot more to do with us not listening than him not talking. So let me talk to you about a couple things out of this passage that we read. And the first is this. I want to key in on this statement where it says the word of the Lord was rare. Everybody say it was rare. This was a real problem. They were missing out on so much, weren't they? The voice of God. Directing, guiding, teaching about righteousness, how to live, how to worship, how to love, how to get along, where to go, when to go, how to go. It was rare. Can you imagine how hard that I mean, we don't understand that because the word of the Lord isn't rare for us. With the advent of technology, it's everywhere now, right? You need a sermon, you go online. I mean, somebody told me for a service, they checked me out online and saw a pod, you know, podcast. You can follow any pastor and listen to any podcast. You can get preaching from around the globe. You can watch conferences. You can sing songs. You can download Bible apps and study. I mean, we have more access to, to God, it seems like, than ever. So this idea of things being rare, it's hard for us to understand. And I think corporately for us, as a church organization, the word of the Lord is not rare. But when you dial down into our personal lives, that's where I actually feel like we're looking a lot more today like they were in those times where the word of the Lord was rare. I mean, think of this. When, when was the last time that you heard somebody actually say to you, I heard God this week. Not, oh, I heard a good sermon. Not, man, I, I, did you check out that new song, that new worship song? It, you know, here's the link on YouTube. No, 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 none of that. I'm saying, when was the last time somebody actually looked you in the whites of your eyes and said, I heard God for myself this week? And maybe it wasn't his voice, and we'll get into how that looks. Because for the most of us, really, for me too, I mean, we're not hearing some audible voice. It's like, Jeff, it's God. Yes, it's really me. Listen up, boy. I got plans for you. I got, no, no, no. There's, and we're going to get into how he speaks to us. But when was the last time? Maybe, maybe the word of the Lord. Maybe it's rare for us today as well. What happened back then? Did God go quiet? No. Did they stop listening? Probably. And it seems like it's rare again today. And, and here's the interesting thing. We have more help today probably than ever. We have counselors. We have experts. We have voices that help us. We have pastors. We have consultants. 
And friends of mine, I mean, my mother-in-law is a, a licensed Christian clinical counselor. I mean, she's, and she's, she does a great job. And I'm not knocking any of these, these voices or these, these industries and strategies. I'm just saying, like, we have all these voices out there. And then you have YouTube, which will teach you how to do anything. I like, you know, I've paid for two haircuts since I've been married. And I recently learned how to do a bald fade on my own head. It's a really neat little thing, by the way. You can reverse engineer a remote control car. You can plant hot peppers. You can learn how to build whatever you want. You can learn just about anything on YouTube, but I'll tell you something that's not on YouTube. It's the voice of God. We have no end of instruction out there. Voices helping us to do something, to find something. You want to find something? Google it. You want to learn how to do it? YouTube it. And I mean, like that covers just about most of your life, except when we're talking about the voice of God. Because that comes in different ways in our hearts and lives. But I tell you what, when it comes, when it comes, you know that God is speaking to you. And when God is speaking to you, the power behind that voice, the authority in that voice, and the personal touch that's behind it, it carries so much more weight than the greatest YouTube video or Google search you'd ever have in your life. Than the greatest counselor, than the greatest consultant, than the greatest expert could ever give you. When the voice of God is speaking to you, it will take you places that no other voice can take you. And it may actually lead you to do things that other regular voices of wisdom won't lead you to do. When I look at our life as a family, and I look at some of the decisions that we've made, they didn't really seem like wise decisions at the time. I remember before I was a lead pastor, and I was on staff at a church of 4,000 people down in Florida, and my wife and I were praying and fasting for 21 days, and we felt the, the, the word of the Lord come to both of us individually, separately, and we came together at the end of the fast and realized that God had called us to resign. Here's the problem. We didn't know where we were going. And you better believe there were a lot of voices of wisdom that were looking at us and saying, you're foolish. Why would you give up a paycheck? Why would you give up working at a great church? You don't even know where you're going. And I said, well, what I do know is that God called us to go. I don't need to know where I'm going because I know that he does. And it was an eight-month window from the time of our resignation to the time that we actually were voted in as pastors of a brand new season of ministry as lead pastors of our very first church. Eight months of wandering in desert and trusting that the voice of God had called us to do what we called to do. You see, a consultant can't convince you to do that. A counselor is not going to get you to do that. A pastor probably won't even be able to. It's only the voice of God which may call us to do risky and unusual, maybe even seemingly unwise things. I'm not talking about lighting off fireworks at a gas station. That's always unwise, okay? God never is going to tell you to do that. But 
God may call you to do things that people don't understand and decide to criticize, but if the voice of the Lord is stirring inside of you, you need to know that it's okay. But that's a little freebie. That's not even in the notes. When the voice of the Lord stops becoming rare and starts working in our lives, friends, we're going to notice a big difference. Here's something that I find as a challenge, though. You look at Samuel's journey here as a young boy and if we take a step back you're going to see that there are three times that God speaks everybody say three times that God speaks to Samuel and catch this three times that Samuel misses it he flat out missed it so God's over here saying Samuel and Samuel goes Eli (laughs) no 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 let's try this again all right He's in bed again. Okay, get him. Samuel, it's God. Samuel's like, Eli, Eli, I'm here. What can I do? Third time again, same thing happens. God is speaking and Samuel is flat out missing it. What does that have to do with us today? I'll tell you what it has to do with us. It's this. I've seen so many people give up on hearing from God because it didn't work out the first couple times. Whatever the number is, three, five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, days, weeks, months, years. Well, I just can't hear God like the pastor hears from God. The worship leader, they're so anointed, it just seems like they're just God is always talking to them. God never talks to me. I've tried, I've opened my Bible, it doesn't make sense. I've prayed, I just end up thinking about chocolate cake and burgers. God doesn't speak to me like he speaks to all those spiritual people. And and you know what happens? We end up resigning to the idea that we can actually hear from God. That we can actually hear his voice. We say, you know what? That's what they pay pastors for. I'll come to church. The pastor can hear from God. He can speak to me. Maybe that'll be enough. I want you to know something. And I've said this to my church. I said, my voice in your life should always be secondary to the voice of God. Should always be channel number two. God's voice should be the very first channel you tune into. And typically what I'm saying shouldn't be new news to you. I mean, maybe there's new information, new ideas, new, new points and stuff, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be new news. It shouldn't be so mind-blowing where you're going, I haven't heard this before. You know what I tell my congregation? I say, look, I'm so grateful for your encouragement when you come up to me and say, hey, that was a great, great message, pastor. That's great preaching, pastor. You know, keep going, pastor. It's, it's awesome. We love, you know, and, and, and that's fine. But I'll tell you the encouragement that I really love to hear. It's not great preaching, pastor. I'll tell you what I love to hear. What I love to hear is this. When somebody comes up to me at the end of the service and they say, Pastor, I can't believe it. I was reading exactly what you were preaching on. Or when they say, Pastor, I was in my prayer life this week. God was speaking the exact same thing to me and what you were sharing in your message today. You know what that tells me? That tells me that they're hearing the voice of God. 
And my voice gets to be channel number two when it's simply just reinforcing what God is already saying, what they're already reading. That's the kind of encouragement that I like to hear. Because then I know that my people are going to the table and hearing from God for themselves. And I just get to reinforce and confirm what God is already speaking to them. But here's the problem. If it hasn't worked three times or five times or seven times or nine times or this many weeks, months, or years, we're prone to just give up and say, you know what? Let the pastor hear from God. Let the worship leader, let the team, let the board and elders, let, let the spiritual people, the intercessors and the prophets, let them hear from God. I'm just, I'll just show up and love Jesus best I can. And I'm going to tell you something, that past results don't dictate future performance. Because Samuel missed, he flat out missed God three times in a row. And as I said at the outside of the message, Samuel became the most influential and prolific prophet in the history of all of Israel. And when you look at his life and you look at all the times that God is speaking to him, and God didn't just later in life, God didn't just like, hey Samuel, it's God, yo, what's up? God is giving details. God is giving him plans. God is giving him prophetic words. God is showing him who to anoint king and who not to anoint king. God is speaking to him in such a clear and a powerful and a profound way. And this is the same guy who missed God flat out three times in a row. Had no idea that God was even speaking. And I believe that this passage is a gift to us. And the reason why I believe it's a gift to us is because it tells us this. When it comes to trying to hear the voice of God, the past results don't dictate future performance. And if we haven't had a very good track record at hearing God, that doesn't mean that has to be the conclusion for the rest of our life. Right? You can hear his voice. Now, I think there's barriers to this. I think there's reasons why that it's going to be difficult for us. It's not just, well, my ears are plugged and I need to pull the plugs out. I think the first barrier is this. The first barrier is that actually our lives are plugged. <laughs> our lives are so full of activity that we have no canvas by which God can speak to us at all. Right? Our, our society is faster than ever. I mean, I waited for five minutes for my, uh, my lunch after the gym today in the Wendy's drive-thru and I was mad. Like, why is this taking five minutes? This is Wendy's. This is drive-thru. Come on, guys. I got places to go. People to see. Things to do. We don't like waiting. Society now demands that our life be maximized and be efficient and that we can, we can complete as many tasks in a 24-hour day as we possibly can or a seven-day week or a 30-day month. It demands efficiency. It demands busyness. And our lives are so crowded that it's hard for us. It's hard for us to hear from God. And I found... That in the busiest seasons of my life, it's hard for me to hear anything from God in the midst of everything of me. 
Because I've crammed and jammed so much stuff in my life. It's no wonder that I'm having a hard time hearing from God. Because my life is plugged. It's so noisy too, right? I'm not talking volume like, oh, it's loud in church. It's just noise, clutter, stuff. There's always a voice. There's always something going on. What I'm about to say is, is, is not a, a self-aggrandizing statement at all. But I feel like one of the greatest decisions our family made was, um, was canceling cable TV, satellite, all, whatever you call it. And that would have been, uh, I always think the year number two, I was in Hamilton. So that would have been 2010. So that would be seven years ago that we can't. Now, we, do we still have Netflix? Yes, and watch it once in a while, and our kids are on it, whatever. But before that, TV was always on. There's always a hockey game, ball game, news, which is always sad these days, right? Something's always on. How are we going to hear from God in the middle of all of this? And I'm not saying cable TV or satellite's bad or anything. I'm just saying it was always on. And when it's always on and you get in the car and the radio's always on. And you're in the elevator and there's always bad music. There's always something on in life. And God doesn't speak in the middle of everything being on. God speaks when we quiet ourselves before him. When we turn the volume down. You know what Psalm 37, 7 says? It says the very same thing. It says, quiet yourself before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I tell you what, this room's full of good people, but I know something about every single one of you in this room, and here it is. I know that you don't like waiting. Not one person on the face of this earth likes waiting. We pick the shortest line, the fastest servant. We just, we just don't like waiting. And yet the kingdom of God, our relationship, the ability to hear from God, it rests on the foundation of Psalm 37, 7. Quiet yourself before the Lord. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we, we just stop talking. I mean, it, it may mean that we have to turn the volume down on these things, but here's what I really think it means. I don't think it's just about the volume of the noise in our life. I think it's about the condition of our calendar. I think to quiet ourselves before the Lord means to actually carve out space in our day, in our week, in some rhythm of some kind and say, God, there's not going to be music. There's not going to be conversations. There's not going to be tasks. My email's closed. My phone's put away everything. It's just, and God, I'm just going to quiet myself before you. I'm going to listen for you to speak. I think this is what it means to hear the voice of God. That's one of the barriers. Barrier number two, <laughs> this is a funny one. I think it's difficult for us to hear from God when we're always trying to translate him. What am I talking about? Well, let's, let's use a little parenting analogy again. I tell my kids to clean the room, and they don't clean the room. And then I approach them, I say, why didn't you clean the room? And they said, well, I thought you meant like I could clean it like next week. Hey guys, uh, dinner's over, you haven't cleared the plates. Well, we thought you said we didn't have to tonight. What, where did you get that from? Our kids are always translating what we're saying into what they want, not what we ask for. 
right? Hey guys, come on in, dinner's coming. Half hour later, it's cold on the table. Oh, oh, we thought you meant like you were starting dinner. Because <laughs> they wanted to stay out and play. Our kids are always translating what we're saying into what they want to hear. And I think as believers, we do the same thing with God. God calls somebody to go somewhere and be something or do something for him. Well, you know, uh, God did say go, but he didn't really tell me when, so I'm not going to go yet. Or God calls us to give something, and we say, well, you know, I think what God really meant, I'm going to translate this because it's uncomfortable for me to actually obey. We do this all the time. God gives us an original message, but it's hard, it's challenging, it's sacrificial, and it goes against what we want sometimes. And when it goes against what we want, oftentimes we translate it into sounding like what we want. Haven't we done that with sin before as well? Well, you, you know, we know the word of the Lord, you shouldn't do that. Well, you know, I think what God really means, <laughs> I have to smile when I say this to try and keep it light, right? <laughs> We got to stop translating what God is saying to sound like what we want instead. The disciples were doing it even with Jesus. He's talking about bread. They have no idea what he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom coming. They have no idea what he's talking about. And so many times he's like giving their head a shake, being like, guys, don't you hear what I'm really saying? Because they're trying to translate it into what they want, even when he's talking about this future kingdom. And they're like, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Because they're thinking, we just want to be set free from Romans. And Jesus says, no, I want you to be set free for eternity with me. They're translating all the time into what they want. And we've got to get around some of these barriers and start saying, God, I want, I want to hear your voice. So we've got to get into position to hear him speak. This is kind of, I guess, my last, uh, my last idea. Maybe two more. We'll see how fast we go, okay? Are you guys good so far? Sermon just started. We've got another hour. No, I'm just kidding. Like, throw him out! <laughs> Here it is. We've got to get in a position to hear his voice. It says in our text that once Samuel got everything sorted out, Eli gave him some instructions. Samuel put himself into position to hear God's voice. The final time God calls Samuel, what does Samuel do? He presents himself before the Lord and he says, Speak, say it with me, for your servant is here listening. I want to key in on that word, listening. Samuel put himself into position to listen. I think we've already talked about putting ourselves into position by looking at our calendar and trying to find space or a place that God can speak to us. But I want to talk about listening now. Actually listening to God. Because so many times we call prayer talking to him, right? God, I'm talking to you. I have needs. Here we go. Here's my list. And we do a lot of talking to God and a lot more talking oftentimes than we do listening. I mean, relationships are like that here on earth as well. We have people in our church in Cambridge that love to talk. Do you guys know anybody who loves to talk? Raise your hand if you know somebody who just loves to talk. If your hand is not up, you may be somebody who loves to talk. <laughs> You know those people that have a conversation with you and you're counting the minutes as 10 minutes, as 15 minutes, as 20 minutes and you're like, 
man, I haven't even gotten in a word yet. And they're telling you one story and two, and there's three, four, there's five stories going simultaneously. You're like, I have no idea what story I'm even in right now. We have a term for this at our church. We call it story prison. We say, yeah, I, I got locked in story prison and I couldn't get out. This person was telling me five concurrent stories at once. And I had no idea how to rescue myself. I think we do that with God sometimes. We present ourselves to him, to him and we put him in story prison. We're like, hey God, it's Jeff today. And, uh, you know, um, our, we've got needs, God. We, we've got all these needs for healing in our church. And, and, and we want to save people, want to reach people. And God, I've got these things going on personally. And God, my friends and my family, God, we've got needs there. And God, I really want you to provide. And God, I want you to heal. And God, I want you to work miracles. And God, I want you to help us grow the church. And God, I want wisdom. And, 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 I'm, and, and you just wonder if God is up in heaven be like, Jeff, you've locked me in prayer prison. And you're not letting me say anything because you won't shut your mouth. To stop talking, Jeff. And listen. Just listen, Jeff. Stop with the needs and the list. I mean, don't, it's not that we never bring them to God, because the Bible says to approach his throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy in our time of need. But there's got to be moments where we push the list aside and we just quiet ourselves before the Lord and we say, I'm done talking and I'm going to start listening. We just listen. And the room that you're in can be silent. You can have worship on. I'll tell you a way that, that I found is actually really helpful for me to listen to God. It's not even with my ears, because I'm just going to be honest. I've never heard the voice of God, like the voice of God with these ears in my life. God speaks in different ways. God speaks through his word. God speaks through his Holy Spirit, he speaks through promptings, he speaks through, and we're going to get into that in just a moment, but I find that for me, at least personally, one of the ways that, that, that I hear God speaking is to just write out his word. If I'm reading something and something jumps off, I just start writing about it. I don't even know if it makes sense. I just start writing, and I just feel like the ears of my spirit just like open right up. And when God speaks to us, I think there's two, and I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to get into some mystery there's two really important things that happen when God speaks to us. Number one, and you can write this down if you want because I think this is important. It's not profound, but it is important. Number one thing that happens when God speaks to us, we receive direction for our life. Number two thing that happens when God speaks to us, we receive revelation. I want to talk about these two things very quickly. Direction is very important, right? The Lord and his word, they're a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We need God to guide us because we're convinced in our hearts he has a plan for our lives. Amen? He has, he has a purpose. He has a place for us to go. He has a purpose for us to fulfill. He has things for us to do and things for us to become. He has a plan and purpose for a life. And he wants to direct us. And, and whether he's speaking through the word or, or each other or the Holy Spirit, he wants to give direction. And so we need the voice of God in our life to actually direct our lives. So it's not my plans and my purpose and my ideas and my thoughts. Secondly, we receive Revelation. That's a really fancy spiritual word. Allow me to just make it simple for us. Revelation is a moment when God is actually revealing something holy and divine and supernatural to you. 
And it could have a very uh, supernatural touch to it, like a prophetic word or a word of wisdom or knowledge. It, it, it could have his divine touch on it where it's more than just information. God is revealing. You heard me talk about it at the very beginning of the night saying God wants to show himself to us and he wants to share himself with us. And a lot of that showing and sharing happens through revelation. It's not just mathematics, it's not science, it's not information. There's a divine touch of inspiration that results in encouragement and faith in our life. And when that happens, those tend to be the moments when we end up saying, I felt like God was really speaking to me. Some of you, God wakes you up in the middle of the night and you get mad. I get mad when he does that. I'm like, come on, God, I've been awake for... 18 hours or more. Could you speak to me then? <laughs> and I'm laying in my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning going, come on, God. I'm mad. I'm like, let me sleep. But my spirit is jumping on the inside as if to say, don't go to bed just yet. God, God has something for you. And there may be a thought. There may be a prompting. There may be a verse. There may be something that just rises up on the inside. God may speak to you in prayer. God may speak to you uh, th through nature and, and things that you see and just even through wisdom and, and discernment. But when that direction of revelation comes, this is where life really begins to gain traction. So let's talk about in closing. And I promise, how many times pastors say that and don't even mean it, right? In closing, I promise. This is my second last page. <laughs> How does God speak to us? Maybe if you come up and start playing, I'll rush. Come on up. <laughs> How does God speak to us? Again, this isn't profound, but it is important. Number one, he speaks to us through this right here, through his word. But Jeff, I want the voice. I want the signs and the wonders. I tell you what, this voice and the signs of wonders can come. But they don't matter nearly as much when we don't have a foundation underneath us with his word. To know what he's saying. This is already written. This has already been spoken. And this right here is the most certain word of God you could ever have on this side of eternity. Because with any prophetic word, with any Holy Spirit prompting in our heart, there's still room for error. But guess what? There's no room for error in this thing right here. And so what a beautiful place for us to begin and say, God, I want to hear your voice right here. Read it. Read it. Write it back. Journal it. Memorize it. Something inside of it. We've got to read this word if we want to hear his voice because he's already spoken in here but he's not limited to this another way that God speaks to us is through the prompting of the Holy Spirit through the prompting of the Holy Spirit and again this isn't an audible voice I don't hear Holy Spirit being like hey Jeff it's me it's Holy Spirit how you doing today nope haven't had that yet but Holy Spirit speaks to us in so many various ways the two probably most obvious ways that I think Holy Spirit speaks to us is in these two following words, through a compelling and through a restraining. I want to take the Apostle Paul in his life and ministry as a key example of this. He talks about the compelling and the restraining. He talks about being compelled 
to go on to bigger and better cities to preach the gospel, to meet key influential governmental leaders and represent Jesus and a witness for him to those leaders. And he says, nothing's going to stop me. I am compelled to go to these places. And then there's times when he says, man, I really wanted to preach over in Asia, but the Holy Spirit restrained me in my heart. Now the Holy Spirit didn't put chains in him, shackles, and tie him up with rope. You know what we call that today? We call it like a hesitation, a check in our spirit. You're about to do something you're not supposed to do. And whether it's sin or whether it's just different from God's plan for your life, the Holy Spirit will be kind enough to restrain you. You'll get this warning, this hesitation, this, ah, something just doesn't sit right. It's not because your mom made really bad dinner the night before. Your wife, or your husband, or whatever, is making dinner. But it's because Holy Spirit does this. He, he restrains us. He holds us back when we're about to do something that's not God's best for us. But I want to talk about the compelling as well because it's not just about the no's, it's about the yeses. God has things for you to do, places to go, people to reach, ways to serve, resources to give, time to invest, prayers to pray. And the Holy Spirit will stir you and will compel you. I believe for each and every one of you, the key that will unlock God's calling for your life is the passion, the compelling that he's stirring inside of your heart. This is how he gets you moving. He gets you excited about something. You can't stop thinking about it, dreaming about it, planning for it, talking about it. Everybody's like, would you just stop? And you're like, I can't stop because the Holy Spirit's got me fired up about this. That's how God speaks to you. That's how he speaks to me through Holy Spirit. And the last, the last way is this. I think God speaks to us through each other. That's right, through each other. You may see somebody in this church and the way that they live for God is a massive inspiration for you. That's God speaking through the testimony of their legacy. How else does he do it? Through prophetic words, all the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians toward the end of the letter there prompting you may come to church there's hundreds of people here on a Sunday morning and God just leads you to one it's like their face just out of the whole crowd you just can't stop looking at them and they're looking at you being like why are you looking at me all the time like you're weird the Holy Spirit is identifying them to you. And when you sense that, you got to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I see it. I get it. I'm supposed to talk to them, but I don't know what to say. So give me something. Give me a scripture verse. Give me an encouragement. Give, give me a word, a, a prophet, and a, something. God, just please. And you'll feel it in your heart. And you may even make mistakes along the way, but I'd rather make mistakes do it, trying to do what's right than miss out on all the things that God's trying to speak to me to do for him. 
So you go to someone, you say, look, I know this sounds a little weird, but God just highlighted you in my heart today, and I just feel like he wants you to know this, and it could just be me, or maybe it really is him, and, and just 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 take this, and, and hopefully it'll bless you, and if not, then just chalk it up to me just trying to, trying to obey God, okay? God speaks to us through each other. Maybe even back to the direction piece. Maybe even you're about to do something. You know why? Because you really want to do it. And God will send a friend, a mentor, a pastor into your life and say, look, I love you enough to tell you, don't do this just yet. Give God more time. I'm just not quite sure this is God's best for you. They're not doing that because they hate you and want your life to be miserable. They do it because they love you. And this is how Holy Spirit speaks to us through each other, through his word, through the promptings of Holy Spirit and through his house. And when these things happen, friends, I want you to know, I believe our relationship with God can just take off. Because what better voice do we need than the voice of the one who loves us most and has the very best plans for our life. Amen? So if we really believe we need that voice, I want to just enter into a time of seeking that voice tonight. I want to invite you to stand to your feet across this place. I've probably gone too long at this point, so... <laughs> Close your eyes. I just want to ask you two questions, and then we're going to move into prayer. When was the last time you could authentically say, I feel like I've, I've heard from God? Just think about that. Maybe it was today, last week, sometime this month, this year. Maybe it's been longer than you can even remember. If you're not happy, the answer to that question, I want to encourage you tonight with hope, with inspiration. I want you to know tonight that God wants you to hear from Him. He wants you to point your life toward Him, to seek Him. Like the young boy Samuel, even though you've made mistakes and haven't gotten it right before, to just put yourself in the position and say, God, I'm going to do this again. Speak, for your servant is listening. When was the last time you received direction from God, revelation from Him, guidance for your life or divine word to encourage you, to help you along in what you're going through. A scripture verse, something to hold on to. I believe tonight, tonight you can receive that, or at least tonight you can start putting yourself in a much better position to hear the voice of God for you, not from anyone else, but just for you. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to give you instruction first. And here's the instruction. Here's how I'd like to close tonight. We're not going to have a, a typical come forward altar call where people are going to lay hands on you and pray for you. What I'd like to do is this. I'd like to invite you to find 
space in this room to just be alone. If that means you find an open aisle, an open seat, if that means maybe you do come forward and kneel at the altar, maybe you stand in a corner with your nose against the wall, maybe you lie down on your stomach and hide under a chair, just do whatever it takes for you to put yourself in position like the boy Samuel, where there's no distractions and just say, speak God for your servant is listening. I'm listening. God, I want to hear from you. I want some direction, some revelation. Maybe you open up a Bible and just dig in. Say, God, come on, please speak to me tonight. Maybe you don't even say anything. You just listen for the promptings of Holy Spirit. All of this and even more, I want to invite you to join me tonight. That We would just put ourselves in the position to hear from God. So, Father, we come before you and we thank you. And we're going to say this again, God, because we need to be convinced of this thing. It is your heart to show yourself to us, to share yourself with us. We pray tonight that would be each and every one of our experiences. As we quiet ourselves before you and find a physical space in this place to just put ourselves in a position, God, we ask in all the ways that you could possibly speak to us and even more, whatever we need. If we need direction, God, release that into our life. If we need revelation, release that into our life. If we need to see that somebody's betraying us or lying, if we need to see that there's a new opportunity, God, let that revelation come. Reveal, open our eyes to see that we would hear from you tonight. This is your heart, God. We thank you that you're patient with us like you're patient with Samuel. Just keep calling our name until we figure it out. So let us hold on to hope tonight. Regardless of our previous performance or history, that we really can be in a place to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.